The start of a new school year is a lot, especially in college. Turn that pile of coursework into great grades and stress-free weekends with Grammarly. Grammarly's digital writing assistant is a must-have for every college student. Its comprehensive writing suggestions help you avoid all those little mistakes that eat into your grade, so you can turn in your work with confidence. Best of all, it's free to use with all your favorite devices and apps. Need more advanced features? Upgrade to Grammarly Premium for clarity full-sentence rewrites that rephrase hard-to-read sentences, cutting down on jargon and making your essays as clear and impactful as possible. It even comes with built-in plagiarism detection. Just one more way Grammarly covers all the details that go into getting the best possible grade. Improve your grades with fewer all-nighters by using Grammarly. Sign up for your free account at Grammarly.com slash podcasts and get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Thank you for tuning in for this week's Grab a Cuppa. This week, uh, we're grabbing a cuppa with a mate again. And that mate is the wonderful Mr. Hugh Evans, a.k.a. Moose. That's how he likes his friends to call him. He is the CEO and the front of Primordial Radio. And they uh, are a community radio station that plays rock and metal and everything in between and yes we had a wonderful conversation about our backgrounds really his background in Canada my background in Portugal we have we're having a discussion about our love for radio broadcasting and how we got to what uh, we are doing right now and to see what similarities we have as well so it's a great chat with a great friend so this is grab a cup with mate featuring Hugh Evans aka Moose anyway are you keeping yeah, not bad not bad it's a beautiful day you know we're okay healthy you know touch wood so yes <laughs> we're together wherever we're fine so everything is good you know whenever i talk to you you always make me feel so happy well that's good you that's, know <laughs> i don't know why or how but yeah. <laughs> no that's i good. just i feel like you just um in a way when we're talking there's always this um you're always quite yeah, I guess that's that's probably true. I I, I think I'm an optimist. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, but a cautious optimist because you know I always try to op- like analyze risk and you know what the danger is. But I just can't see the, any point in just dwelling on the negative. Like you know, thinking uh, everything is possible, right? Everything is possible. So there's probably an equilibrium of the you know it could go right or it could go wrong. So I have a tendency, foolishly maybe, to sort of go, yeah, I have confidence that things will work out. Okay. And, yeah. and also, also confidence thinking that if it doesn't, you know, I, I have a network of people and, you know, I'm luckily able and, and fit enough that, you know, I can, I can change things and I can oh, correct. Yeah. It, so. I think that's the way to go, to be fair. Like, yep. yeah, that's the way to go. Uh, basically, like, I would like to know you a little bit better. 
and so do other people actually but we get that to that um a little later <laughs> basic Ooh, intriguing <laughs> oh <laughs> i learned this from you hooking teas Good, good, good hooking tees. Everybody likes yeah, them. Yeah, good hooking tees. <laughs> Basically, I'll just, you know, obviously, but people that don't know you, by your accent, they'll be like wondering where you're from, obviously. Yep. Because people ask me as well because of my accent. <laughs> uh, but basically, you were born in, uh, were you in Winnipeg? Canada? Yes, I was, uh, I was the only person in our family of five to be born in Canada. So I'm the only genuine Canadian. Uh, my mom and dad emigrated from the UK in 1964, which oh, wow. my, my brother and sister had been born. So I was the unplanned child. Uh, and because uh, I have, you know, I think I think my mom and dad wanted one brother, one or sorry, one son and uh, and one daughter. Mm. And uh, and yeah, that's what they got. And then I came along in Canada and went, hey, hey. So born <laughs> in Canada, in, in Winnipeg, a place that you would never go to. Unless you had business or, or friends, you'd never go. <laughs> How is it like Winnipeg compared to where you are right now? <laughs> wow, Winnipeg. You know, one thing that I, I, I do miss about Winnipeg is the seasons because they were so distinct. And at some point in time, somebody made or did a survey yeah. uh, to, to find out the most inhospitable places to live on earth in, <laughs> right. centers, in centers of over 500,000 people. Uh, and typically Winnipeg came second. They didn't come first. They came second behind a place in Siberia. Uh, and in terms of climate swings, you know, it's, it is legitimately minus 35 for a couple of weeks in the winter. Wow. And then it's plus 35 in the summer. So there's a 70, 70 degrees, degree centigrade swing. And, and honestly, you, you can look out the window at any point in time of the year and you can yeah. really tell, I can tell what time of year it is. Here I find it much more difficult because it's, it's, it's very green. Um, yeah, and it's not, not quite as obvious. Obviously, the snow is a good indicator, but it's very, very cold. It's in the middle. Of, it's in the middle. If you, if you find it, it's right in the center of North America. It's not under the influence of any large bodies, bodies of water. So yeah. there's no, no temp, temperate uh, climate. It's cold. It's harsh. Yeah. But beautiful. More sunshine than, you know, places like holiday destinations. Because, yeah. of, because of where it is, you know, there's, it's a crazy amount of sunshine. But sunshine in the winter means it's cold. Sunshine in the summer means it's hot and it's just, it's so much sun. And, so and you look out of the window and you know, right, the season without even yeah. checking your calendar sort of thing. <laughs> and and you, you can legitimately, people from Winnipeg will know what I'm talking about. People who come from a climate like Winnipeg will know what I say. When you look out the window, you can tell it's cold. When you look, you go, whoa, it's cold. You can, you can just, it's bizarre. I don't know what it is. So Winnipeg, you know, is uh, uh, not, not that you really want to know the history of Winnipeg, but it's a bizarre place. It was settled because after the two world wars, mm -hmm. um, Canada was very open to immigration. Come, come, come to Canada. They wanted everybody. So people came from all around the world. But the deal was that you could, you could come to Canada, but you couldn't, you had to populate the West. And so you okay. couldn't, couldn't stop in Montreal or Toronto. So the deal oh, was, okay. yep, you could come to the West. You could have, you know, in, at, at some points you could have free land, <laughs> go, but we just need you to populate the West. So, these groups of individuals from, from countries all over the world got on, you know, maybe ended up in Montreal, got on a train and then took a God knows how long train journey to get to Winnipeg, probably a couple yeah. of days train journey. And they got dumped off at Winnipeg. And that was the gateway to the West. Many, many of those communities stayed. So Winnipeg for what is ostensibly a large farming community yeah. has the most multicultural population that you could believe because of the way it was populated because they dumped. So every year we have this 
that I would love to do this here. They have yeah. something they call it that's called folklorama. And, and the, the sort of resonant populations of Ethiopia or, or, or Portugal or, or Germany, or, all countries around the world have these things called pavilions. And so where you could go see traditional entertainment and, and food and drink. That's and correct. You, you get a little passport and you go to these places in Winnipeg. And I thought this was just how the world was. I mean, it was, you know, when I growing up there, you don't know any different. But then, you know, if for, what, for a place that should be white, just, and it, it is predominantly white, don't, don't, but, but there's such yeah. a, a melting pot of people because of these populations that were dumped there as part of the agreement. Yes, you can come to Canada, but you've got to go to the West. And wow, they, got dumped, yeah. they got dumped in Winnipeg, <laughs> of all places, Winnipeg. And Winnipeg. So yes, yeah, and it always, it's, um, it's small, it's, it's relatively small-minded, small thinking, but it always gave much, much, much more than it ever take, took away. It was a great place to grow up, great place. I can relate because where I'm from in Portugal, where I was born, it's like population of like maybe 3,000 people, if that. Oh my God, really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what and was that like? It was strange. Very strange because, like, especially growing up, everyone looked the same. Like, the girls my age would dress the same, you know, right. like, the, have um, the same fashion sense. And then if, like me, like, I was a mosher. So uh, if I, you know, dressing differently, people would look at you like, whoa. Yeah. And also, um, a, a country that is very Christian, you know, and... Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, being very Christian and set in their ways and everything has to be traditional, you know. And if um, I give an example, for example, like um, family functions, you have to all be there, even though like weddings, baptisms and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, even if you don't believe, yeah, in like God, for example, that's my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. but you'd have to go to church. You'd have to go to weddings in a church. You'd have to go to baptisms. You have to get baptized. Yeah, yeah. So it's very strange. But for me growing up, it's like I was always different, always different than the other people and listening to like music, to, like Marilyn Manson, like who was known as the Antichrist <laughs> growing up, you know, growing up in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amongst all the trendy people there's me dressed in black and that must uh, have actually been quite difficult for you because you know mm-hmm. as much as you think you know everybody's the same and it's, it's quite community and it's tight-knit if you did stay it'd be quite easy to stand out because everybody was the same and so if you did stand out because you think you think of a place like london it's difficult to stand out because there are so many different people here and Absolutely. you know things, things walk past you in london that you you, you, you don't even look anymore but if that yeah. happened you know in your town people go what what is this? And that's interesting. And so it must have been very difficult. It was. Uh, absolutely. And it was just like, it was crazy. Like in Portugal, there's the, um, actually, it's a funny story. Um, and this kind of relates to what I'm going to say next. So me and Scott and the kids went on holiday to Portugal mm-hmm. two, three years ago. I don't remember now. But we went to a small town just outside of Lisbon. So a little town called Sazimbra. Uh, and it's a fishing town, so it's very small and quaint. Uh, not a lot of people know about this. So we right. went, okay, we went because I thought to myself, well, Scott can sort of like see how it was like for me growing up in a place like this. I wasn't, I didn't grow up there exactly, but it was yeah. a very similar, you know, little village sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Scott is 
it looks different you know like mm-hmm. it looks like your typical british guy sometimes you know and people like looking at him sort of like like dude are you lost really uh <laughs> you know especially uh. when uh, you know when he went um, he would go shopping you know by himself he didn't speak the language but he would sort of like try to make himself understood you know mm. and these people a bit like okay who are you especially this guy with a ginger beard you know like uh so people are, are a bit like are ginger aback. beards not popular in portugal <laughs> no you don't no, see but... a lot of gingers in portugal to be <laughs> no, fair you don't, no. <laughs> no you don't see a lot of gingers in portugal so it was a bit like taken aback but also this is what i was going to come to is uh old ladies okay especially the old ladies in portugal they tend to if there's like a rustle outside they're always at the window see what's going on we call it old lady cctv Right, okay. <laughs> so yeah 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 so they're always like and it's, it's just like at the window see what's going on and then there's like the neighbor next door because in portugal especially little towns there's a lot of like little flats as well and stuff like three stories so they're talking to each other and mm. so they're very very nosy so that's what it was like for me growing up yeah so i walk past and then there's old ladies like oh but they actually would make themselves would make me aware that they were watching me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, did, and then, yeah. And did, did, your, did your parents or, or your, your guardians, did, did, did they know what you were up to before you even got home? It had been reported back going, oh, I should have seen Kat, she was out here doing this. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, um, I started smoking when I was like maybe 13 years old. It's, yeah. I wanted to be part of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, if I was to smoke in public, like my my mom would know as soon as I put like a cigarette to my mouth, <laughs> my yeah. mother would know. But the st- sorry, my mother, she's always quite you know busy working two jobs and everything else. You know what mm. I mean? But you would know. So it's kind of like that's how it was for me growing up in the small town. Mm. You know, everyone would look at you, and there's me like with baggy jeans and eyeliner and typical kid in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like with the skater jeans and I don't know emo hair or whatever Mm -hmm. but that was pretty pretty typical so i wanted to ask you sort of like because obviously we are different generations like how do you have like any sort of like favorite memories growing up in winnipeg oh i tell you what there's so many Uh, like i said (laughs) it it was it was such a wonderful place to grow up and 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 you had no idea and not many people came because it's it's a difficult place to live climactically speaking so the, mm. the weather the weather's brutal there's mosquitoes there's floods in the spring i mean it's mm. it's it it sounds but it brought so much to your life it was uh, it was incredible but I, I i i was born of incredible privilege my my dad was uh, was a, a doctor a radiologist and so he was working in liverpool and you know married my mom and it they realized that really in order to advance to what he wanted to be a registrar yeah. Uh, you'd have to wait for dead man's shoes, essentially, because that's how the British system works. So, yeah. you know, Canada at that time in the 60s was, hey, come and be the head of the department in this new hospital we're building. So he went. So the family went. And so as a consequence, you know, I'm incredibly privileged. And, and I don't think I understood how privileged until I got older and realized, wow, what a life we had, what, what a life that my parents made for us. But um, it was, you didn't have to be incredibly privileged to have a home on a lake in Manitoba, in the province of Manitoba, oh, wow. there is 100,000 lakes. Oh, wow. And okay. And there is, and there's a population of when I was living there, about a million people. 
So there's like a lake for every 10 people. And okay, some of those lakes are in the far, far north, inaccessible. You know, all of my friends and, and a lot of my friends had, had summer cabins. And so some of them were, you know, quite sophisticated, beautiful second homes, but others were just no electricity, outside toilets, few bunk beds, old furniture on a lakefront somewhere. Wow. That, and that sounds was, like heaven. Well, I, but that's the thing. You have no idea because you grow up in it and it's just normal. You know, it's just normal. And then you come here and, and you, you, you mentioned that that, and okay, once again, once I come from privilege, so the, the, the place that my mom and dad had was beautiful. Like it was like a five bedroom, crazy, beautiful home. It was a home. But, you know, just mentioning, you know, best, my best friend that their family had, and there was, there was eight kids, there was 10 of them. Um, and they had this tiny little cottage that was just in the woods on the lakefront. And they had this little wooden dock and a little tiny boat. And, you know, we'd go there and, and that was just, that was just, you'd spend your entire summers on the lake. Wow. You know, you'd be, you'd be fishing and swimming, sailing, water skiing. And that was, that was life. And that's what summer holidays were. And so the sun would shine. And it was just, you know, from a kid's perspective, it was, it, you, you couldn't have wanted anything more. Now I understand how difficult, you know, particularly in this country, imagine having a second, a second home that, you know, you went to in the summertime. <laughs> it's just like, people look at you like, you had what? But that was just normal. It, was, it, was, it wasn't unusual at home to, to have that. And it was, it, it, like I said, it was, there wasn't, wasn't that many people. So there was, there was the amount of space we had. You know, you could, you could be quite, you, you, you could have a modest occupation and you could have a big house with a big chunk of land. And, and, and that was here. It's just so different. So incredibly expensive. There are places, places in, in Canada, obviously, you know, in Vancouver and Toronto, you know, there are, that are like London, nuts. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a magnificent place. And, and, and like I said, I always say it, it, it gave me so much more. And, and, and it's not until you leave the place that you realize, wow, like that was a pretty awesome, awesome life, you know, growing up. I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like I, obviously for me, it was completely different. Like uh, we were, we moved from uh, town to town, uh, moved quite a lot. Actually, we probably moved like three times every 18 to 24 months. Wow. Uh, why, why, why was that? Just, just, occupation? Was, you know what? Like, um, my mother, single mother with two kids at a time, me and my nice. sister, and she wasn't really, you know, qualified, uh, you know, to, to really do much. It would be entry-level jobs, like working in the kitchen and that sort of thing, you know. And yeah, because uh, yeah, my mother, just a little bit of a backstory, my mother is actually from Angola in Africa. So she moved in a way fleed uh, to Portugal when she was 18 years old. Right. Uh, and then, so when she was 18 years old, she'd been working different jobs to sustain herself. And then she had my, uh, my sister two years later and then myself another, uh, maybe two or four wow. years later. And so she'd been working all these different jobs throughout her life to support us. Uh, through having bad relationships and that sort of thing and um, she she went through a lot to be fair so we we never had that how can I explain house <laughs> well uh, this this is my point actually you, you know, know I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt but you know you talk about okay. privilege I don't understand that I, uh, you you just tell me that and I think wow yep. you know your, your mum fled Angola ended up in in Portugal so automatically you know she's she's an immigrant uh, and 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 already you know 
and is there much discrimination in Portugal? Did she, did she face a lot of that or, or, or was it? I mean, yeah, the thing is, right, my mom, actually, she is, uh, like, mixed race. So, she, uh, skin is, like, the same tone as mine. Mm -hmm. So, basically, uh, there wasn't a lot of um, discrimination as such, as nice. in, like, you know, color of her skin. Um, especially, you know, Portugal actually has a, a big influx of people from Angola, Guinea-Bissau, Timor. Oh, right, okay. Um, a lot so of like a, a northern African sort of uh, absolutely, yeah, okay. uh, like um, Cape Verde. All these people came to Portugal to find work and stuff like that, so it wasn't as much as that, you know. Uh, but she talking about discrimination, she actually got bullied at school for being white. Good lord, you're kidding! <laughs> I'm not kidding, that's the thing. My mom wow. got bull bullied at school wow. when she was little because she was like the same, you know, more or less the same. Crazy, yeah. So, it is. So, when it comes to racism, obviously, I'm not really going into detail and yeah. further yeah. on because that's another kind of worms altogether. Yeah. But when it came to racism, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, white people. You know, just so just to simplify what I'm trying to say, um, white people being, you know, racist towards black people as such, it can be the other way around. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I really don't think, I think racism can be a personality trait. You'll be in a racist. It does not matter the color of your skin. I think if you are a racist, then it doesn't matter what you look like. But and it's then, a learned it's a learned condition as well. Which it is really crazy. yeah, it is Great. learned. It's learned behavior, mm. and it and sometimes it comes from uh, you know that person's parents or guardians or someone in their family that they've looked up to and uh, sort of gotten that that trait you know uh, it's learned behavior but you know anyway mm. i digress uh but yeah so with my mum like just working different jobs and stuff like that trying to have a better life wow so for us it's like we were never like set in one place like where we could just like ah this is home so for me, like, it's very different from yourself. Like, growing mm. up, you've got your memories of these places that you've, um, this place that you lived and the uh, the childhood that you had. For me, it was, like, I uh, was moving all the time, so I didn't really get the chance to uh, create those solid memories. Wow. Because, yeah, I would was... make friends, but then that would get interrupted that, oh, I'm going to have to move again because, you know. Was there any... Was there any positive in, in moving so much that, that you can see now? Uh, and I thought I can imagine as a kid, particularly oh when, friend, when friends are everything. I mean, that must be so difficult. It but was. Now, look, looking back, is, is there anything that has, that has given you that, that you feel is, you know, better equips you as an adult? Do you know, the thing is, like, even as an adult now, like, I always feel like I have to move. <laughs> right. so yeah i always feel like i have to move because like growing up i didn't really stay in one place for right. too long so it was like well i it's like almost i try to find something that makes me unhappy and then i have to move because it's that excitement of starting um starting in a new place yeah okay yeah you know yeah but I mean? then but then there's because uh, uh i remember uh i had this sort of similar conversation with a counselor once and said you know that that's indicative of running away it is. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes I feel like that when things get tough. 
and yeah. I, uh, when things get tough in my life and I feel like I just need that, you know, oh, I've Escape. moved house and it's a new beginning. But sometimes it's just because you, uh, you have a different address doesn't mean that your uh, issues have stayed in the old house. Oh, no, no. You, they, they come with you. They follow you. They, they follow you wherever you go. And I think you, you don't have to that. pack them. They just come with you. They, <laughs> you no, you no, put them no. In a box. They come. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. It's just yeah. like some kind of like, you know, horror movie, you know what I mean? When with yeah. dolls, you put the doll in the bin and then you see the suitcase next minute. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That sort of oh. thing. So it's like, for me, having, you know, memories of like childhood. Yes, I did have memories of uh, meeting interesting people in my life. But I wouldn't say like, I don't know. I met a lot of interesting people in my life, but then I think my life really, really began when I moved to the UK and I was 17 years old. And you came on your own, didn't you? No, I I did. But the thing is, my mum, actually my mother, she uh, moved from Portugal because she was having, uh, you know, a very terrible time and she was in a relationship that was in a way volatile. So she, she basically escaped domestic violence. Right. Uh, and she moved to she moved to London with my little brother at the time. That's a little brother. He's like 22 this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we moved. Uh, she moved with my little brother at the time because um, there was some sort of like my dad at the time, who I don't have a relationship with, wanted to have a, a relationship with me. God knows why. And then uh, he sort of like didn't let me travel. He wanted to keep me there. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, so she actually fleed again, you know, and moved to London. This was like uh, se- September 2001, no, 2002. And then I moved, uh, managed to actually um, get my dad, that, you know, at the time to actually sign the papers because I was underage. And- Here's Lev Kubiak, the vice president and chief security officer at Pfizer, on the discussion, The Dangers of Counterfeits and How You Can Get Your Medicine Safely, sponsored by Pfizer. Criminal groups are putting very dangerous substances into what appear to be routine prescription medicines. And so we have a significant rise in the presence of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search Pfizer. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. My, my parents had been divorced. So uh, it's legislations and laws in Portugal are crazy. Um, so he signed, finally signed these papers so I could travel. And then I joined my mother in December 2002. But yeah, I traveled by myself yeah and gone from a small town in portugal to london (laughs) living in tottenham oh my god tottenham wow okay there's an eye opener yes and it was like it was crazy because i see all these people it was cultural shock you see all these people from all over the world and i'd never seen in a way like i don't know how to describe but uh, i'd never seen a person from pakistan before 
you know, oh. yeah, yeah, people from that side of the world, I'd never seen them. So to me, it was a bit like, oh, you look different. I like you. <laughs> and that's it. So just see how, how it is, uh, how it is different between us two. Yeah, very much so. Completely yeah, different backgrounds. Completely, completely different. Yeah. yeah, well, we, the thing we've got in common, yes, we are immigrants. Yeah, I know. We are immigrants yeah, yeah. In, this, uh, in this crazy country that we live in. <laughs> and can I, can I ask, and I, I, I don't want to go into the political discussion, but uh, since this whole Brexit thing, have you, have you, have you, because I never really felt like an immigrant, I must say, I, it was just, you know, but the only time I felt like an immigrant is during that whole Brexit thing. And still to this day, you know, and, and I yeah. don't get it like other people, man, I don't get it at all. Because I think, I think I'm quite a, an acceptable immigrant as a white Canadian. I think, I think I'm one of the, one of the good ones they would consider. <laughs> good egg. But, it, it, you know, I, but, you know, for no, for no reason whatsoever. Um, yeah, but it's, it's interesting how, how I, I feel like an immigrant now. Yeah, that's the thing. It's funny you should say that because I only started feeling uh, like an immigrant when the uh, Brexit results mm. came out. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, like, oh, you know, Portugal was part of the EU. So obviously we were, uh, we would have the same rights as any British citizen. Uh, but, well, more UK citizen, because obviously Scotland and yeah. Wales, etc. Um, but I started feeling like that when I saw a lot of people going like, oh, go back where you come from and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, okay. Um, And sort of like, and even being bilingual as well. It's like if I was in, if I was in public during that time, if I was in public actually speaking to someone in a different language, uh, people would look at me and go, oh, you are in the UK, you are in England, speak English. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, it's not my fault mm. you don't speak another language. Like, I could be from here. <laughs> yeah, I could be from here and you don't know. Yeah. And another funny thing is, uh, now talking about nationalities and stuff and being a, a foreigner, is that I, before I got married, okay, I uh, obviously I had my maiden name, which is, traditional portuguese is nascimento okay so and my actually my first name is katia uh i when i was doing my cvs i would put katia nascimento mm-hmm. okay so my, that's that's my name i didn't i used to get like not a lot of job offers even though i was qualified mm-hmm. okay and then when i got married and i start using just my nickname because no one calls me katia apart from my mom I honestly, as soon as I changed my CV to cat, right, the offers started pouring in. No joke. The offers started pouring in because, you know, like I, in a way, I have a British name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the offers started pouring in and I didn't know why it was. And then it just twigged. It's just twigged. So I did this experiment. I'd, I applied for the same job more or less the same cv obviously i just changed the f- a few little bits and uh i applied using my uh you know my portuguese name and then my british name as such and the same person they wanted me to come for interviews and stuff with my british name but they didn't even see that my cv with my portuguese name was more or less the same so <laughs> that's some food for thought yeah i uh, i did something similar but nowhere near quite as bad as that when i was in college learning my radio trade, uh, I was sending t- 
tapes because I, you know, I, I thought I was so good in college. Um, <laughs> so I started sending tapes all over the place and uh, never got any, any word whatsoever. So I changed my CV and I got a picture. Um, and I can't remember how I got the picture, but I did. And I called myself Inga Strom. And uh, Inga was, I'm sure, I'm sure she was a, she was like a, an Eastern Bloc shot putter in, in the Los Angeles Olympics. Uh, or saying, and I always remember Inga Strom. I'm sure, I'm sure she was shot put. Anyway, uh, so I, and I created this, this, this blonde, beautiful Swedish persona. Uh, and I'd send my tape. And then I got a, a girl, I asked a girl who was in my class in college to put on like a Swedish accent. I go, yeah, I'm here. My name is Inga. Da, da, da. And then all of a sudden I come out, oh, I'm only kidding. It's me, Hugh Evans. Come on now, hire me. And that got more response. Granted, I was shit in my butt. That, that actual tape got listened to almost... Everybody listened to it. Everybody listened to it because it was Inga Strom and not Hugh Evans. That is crazy. Yeah, I know. I know. Inga Strom. <laughs> wow. What kind of name is that? <laughs> well, it was, well, I, I, thought Inga, I thought Inga was actually uh, was, um, Swedish, but I think it's In- Ingrid is, is Swedish. And Inga, I think, is an Eastern, is, is like a... I, I, Eastern I European sort Hungarian, of thing. Hungarian, I don't know what, but she, it's Inga Strom. I'm sure if you Googled Inga Strom, you would find that she was a shot put in the 1984... Uh, Los Angeles Olympics. That is so funny. And I just, I, just <laughs> I, I stole her name and it created, I got this picture of this and I can't remember who it was, but it was a, like a young blonde yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah. Uh, and that created this, this CV and I sent it off with my tape. And it was hilarious. I, oh, I, I, wow. And I You'd never kept the tape. Now. You know this, you'd be catfishing now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, uh, yeah, it was, that was a long time ago. That was, oof, man. That Did was you long, always, that yeah. Did you always just uh, study radio or did you study no. something else? No, I uh, studied uh, physics and I, uh, science uh, was, was uh, my university training in uni- the University of Winnipeg. And then yeah. I finished that and it was like, okay, now what? I actually got to my third, third year and I was in wave, uh, wave mechanic. There was a, a lab on Monday morning called wave mechanics. And so I would go in and when you first started in the sort of general sciences in the first year, there was the population, everybody was in it, you know, and then slowly but surely as you progressed, the real sort of physicist types were the ones that, that ended up in there. Oh, wow. And uh, so I would show up on, on Monday morning to this lab at the university. Uh, and I'd been spending the whole Sunday watching American football and drinking beer. And I'd come in on Monday <laughs> morning and, and I'd say, whoa, did you see the Colts yesterday? And, and, and the people in my lab would go, the Colts, what is that? And, they, and they, they didn't even know what that was. And I was like, wow, this is, I want to spend my life with these people. <laughs> do, do I really want to do this? Yeah, because I, I always I sort of fancy myself as like um, an aircraft engineer, aviation engineering, um, but it was far too much commitment and uh, and work. So I finished anyway. I finished like a general science degree, and then and then decided um, radio. What could I do where I didn't have to wear socks and and I had a big mouth? So there you go. Yeah, well, when I finished university, then I worked I worked in a restaurant. I managed a restaurant and bar, and a great is the, the restaurant was called Grapes, uh, and and that was hard work. Holy moly, that was like. Oh, you 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 want a time-consuming like you know manage a a a, a restaurant and bar holy moly uh, and I thought Christ that is just that is too much like hard work do I want to spend my life like this and I thought well you know and my brother was in television and um, you know still is and and I looked at him and I said well television once again you have to like you have to dress up and look presentable whereas radio you could just you, know, you don't that's wear, the thing exactly, you wear pajama bottoms and nothing you could be nude who cares who knows who cares <laughs> and i thought that 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 suits me so and i also thought it was quite a uh you know quite a um 
transient kind of industry where so in my mind, I think, oh, well, I go work in the West Coast, I then go work on the East Coast in the Maritimes, then I go work in Quebec, and then ultimately end up in Toronto. And because that's Toronto is Canada's London. It's, it's the center of the universe. The sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's where I'd end up. That's kind of what I thought. And that was kind of my plan. I had a very loose plan and, you know, it didn't work. Why did I, it didn't go to plan. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And it's just, it's quite funny, you know, when you're saying you're sending tapes and stuff, it's so different nowadays, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's so different. Going from radio, like in, uh, you know, in Canada. So from then, was it like, that's it, that's my passion, I want to carry on? Yeah. And it was something that I always, you know, I always quite fancied radio, you know, and I just listened, I listened to it when I was a kid. And I, you know, I, I always knew what was kind of going on. And I just, just the idea was just, you know, and, and I, I, it just seemed like a lot of fun to me, uh, you know, to, to be on, you know, like a breakfast show and just horsing around and, and just doing silly stuff and playing music. I, that was kind of the, the, the attraction. Um, you know, and obviously when you actually get into the industry, it's, it's not all just fun and games, is it? And it's got a whole bunch more to it. Um, so, but I can't imagine really, you know, cause I tried to leave. Um, I can't even remember when, after Jack was born, come on, go get a real job. And I went and got a real job and it sucked. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. So yeah, this, I, I love, I love stuff like this. this what this, was your real job? I went and I was working for a company in Wilmslow okay. in uh, Cheshire and it was called J4B. And what they did is they sold, every council has a funding officer, right? So if you wanted to look for grants and funds and stuff, you would phone that officer and that officer would tell you what's available locally. So J4B was a little bit ahead of the times and basically mm-hmm. they had a, had software that had, it was kind of like the Google for every fund everywhere on earth that you could be possibly. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was quite handy. So basically my job was to go into councils and say, look, you know, that funding department you have, well, you can get rid of that expense and those people, this is what I was doing. And we could replace it with this portal that we can skin to look like it's, you know, Warwickshire County council, whatever it is. Yeah. And then, you would just go into you would just go into that engine and you just type in the criteria and it would just spit back all these different things that you could apply for. So yeah. basically, it replaced funding departments. And it was I'll tell you what it was a it was a piece of piss because a it saved it immediately saved councils money. Yes. People lost their jobs because of me. Um, <laughs> well, because because it replaced them. It just yeah. it was an online. So now instead of having somebody sitting by a phone or a computer in the office nine to five twenty four seven, you could just log in. Boom. You know, I mean, and, and at that time, this we're talking 19, sorry, 2007, I think this was. And so it wasn't, you know, Google hadn't quite taken over and, and not everybody was so au fait with, with the internet at that point in time. So it was kind of revolutionary. When you went and demonstrated the product, it was like, honestly, it was like shooting fish in a barrel and it was expensive too. And so, you know, you'd get quite a healthy and a decent, decent wage and a decent commission. And it was easy. It was, it was so easy because it was, it was really good. It was a good idea. I hated it. I, I despised bet, I, it. Yeah, I, I get that because I've had uh, jobs in the, in the past where, oh gosh, I've done everything, uh, everything and anything. Um, basically, I, uh, I was studying, um, I was doing media. This is like back in 2003, four. I was doing media and, you know, like uh, broadcasting TV. Here's Lev Kubiak, the vice president and chief security officer at Pfizer, on the discussion, The Dangers of Counterfeits and How You Can Get Your Medicine Safely, sponsored by Pfizer. Criminal groups are putting very dangerous substances into 
what appear to be routine prescription medicines. And so we have a significant rise in the presence of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search Pfizer. He radio, all that sort of thing. And then I was just like, well, that's, that's, this is really what I want to study. This is what I want to do. But then it's sort of like there was a moment in my life where uh, my mental health really took a turn. And I couldn't cope with the uh, demands of the course. So I just thought, I can't do this. I need to get a job. I need to uh, be more independent and uh, pay my bills. Uh, So I quit that. And then I started working in the catering, um, doing like, I don't know, all sorts, you know, catering, working in restaurants, doing events and that sort of thing. Um, And then it was just like, well, I really want to go back and actually give this another go. I really want to do, especially like radio broadcasting, because that's always been my passion and all this stuff, you know, production and whatever. So I went back to college. I was like, right, I really want to do this. And I start doing it. But then I, uh, you know, long story short, I got into a relationship that it was not very good. Basically, that person kept telling me that I, uh, you know, I wasn't good enough in a way. Mm-hmm. So I quit again. But then I was just sort of like getting into my, I don't know, like 20s. And I was just like, oh, okay, um, I want to do something with my life. And then I looked into doing it again. I just thought, oh, I'm just no good at, I'm no good at this. I'm just going to uh, go do a course of something that I've been doing, which is hospitality. So I did a course in hospitality, which it was, it was a lot of fun. But then it was just like me doing a course of something that I, uh, oh, I'm good at this. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. But mm. that's not what I aspired to be. Yeah, I get it. You know, where I aspired to be and I did the course and started working in hospitality. I was hospitality manager for different sites, uh, as in um, I did loads of events and weddings and stuff like that. Madness. And I was earning a really, really good wage. And I was I'd only have to work because it was seasonal. I'd only have to work like maybe, you know, seven months. Yeah, out of 12, and I'll come home with 30 grand clean. Wow. So it was a very good, very good wage. I was earning my own money, that sort of thing. And then I decided to, uh, you know, settle down because uh, then I was working in a hotel as a receptionist and I didn't really like that. And, and then I moved to a different hotel here in Leeds and me and Scott got together. And then uh, basically, Two or three years later, I think, uh, then we found out we were expecting. So that's when we had Alice. And then it was just more, it became, we do all these different jobs just to feed ourselves mm. and to survive, you know. And it was, wasn't really something that like, I really aspired to, to do with my life. But it came to like, you know, to 2015 after I've had uh, Logan um, he was about one year old or whatever that he uh, well he was born quite poorly as well but he got better but I didn't my my health took you know took a turn again and I was you know not being able to work my doctor actually said to me like if you go back to work you might not 
something bad might happen and then you might be bed bound or whatever uh yeah yeah basically yeah uh what happened obviously you know um just (laughs) long story short is the one christmas 2015 actually um scott far was having a stroke and i could not speak i couldn't move i was apparently i was shaking because i don't really remember this and um basically uh I was having um, a very bad migraine with stroke-like symptoms and I've been having migraines for years and I didn't know that it could get this bad. Mm. Uh, So then, you know, I was in hospital for a week and they said like, you can't just be like sat in front of the computer for hours and hours on end. My job at the time, I was a uh, sales, um, I was doing sales and reservations for uh, properties like student properties and uh, apart hotels, that sort of thing, Uh, which I kind of liked my job, but it was the boring, you know, be on on the phone and Mm -hmm. um paid well so i stayed there you know paying the bills it was close to home fine but it was that job that nearly in a way i think it nearly killed me because Mm. i was just you know i I was unhappy i was stressed and everything and five years later you know obviously being out of work because uh because of my illness and also uh well i got diagnosed with a condition called um idiopathic which means they don't know what the hell is going on with you uh idiopathic hypertension uh no no ha- idiopathic intracranial hypertension so it's when you have uh more fluid in your skull than you're supposed to right so you feel a lot of pressure there's so many like you know things that can happen you gain these yeah headaches well yeah and so how what's what's the treatment for that i mean surely they they would drain or or, or something with it that's the thing I was on medication for a very long time and that's uh, called uh, diuretics, I think. Where diuretics, diuretics, yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, I was taking that for a long, long time. And uh, so it's I'm on remission at the moment, so I'm okay. Uh, but then I developed Good. a lot of different things as well over the years. You know, I found out that I have uh, fibromyalgia, which is widespread pain. Uh, in your body i've heard other people uh, you know, I, 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 I won't name names but i've heard other people mention that and um yeah what, what, what is that basically fibromyalgia is again is uh, widespread pain so all over your body but so, caused by what though so so fibro it could be, my, my, yeah it could so, be um it could be caused by trauma in your life you know like psychological trauma it can cause uh you know, fibromyalgia, but it could be, for example, as a woman, it could be uh, you giving birth. Yeah, uh, there's so many different things. Is a condition that is not, it's very difficult to explain, and there isn't a cure mm. or anything. Or it's only been, uh, you know, uh, in the limelight as in the last maybe four or five years. Uh, and it's sort of like, imagine if you were running on the treadmill for five hours nonstop. Okay, and you when you stop, your body starts hurting, your muscles start twitching, restless legs. You just your body is just in god awful pain. That's what fibromyalgia is. And is it constant? It's it can be. It just varies from person to person. It really varies. I am on the severe scale where I have to take very strong painkillers, 
uh, and it can affect your speech. Mm. It can affect your uh, cognitive ability. <laughs> uh, it can, it's sort of like everything and anything. Like um, well, it does. Here, it doesn't. Ju- it doesn't just single out one particular cell. It, you know, it ha- it affects every single cell in your body if you take painkillers. I mean, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't just concentrate on your head. It'll it'll, it'll affect everything. It's ev- everywhere. Even uh, it could be just your from just your feet hurting wow. to everywhere. Wow. Even like your I don't know. Even your lips hurting. I've heard people that have had that like, oh, my lips are hurting today. Is it my fibromyalgia? It's crazy. So how how do you how do you live with that? You just do. That's the thing. You just do. You learn how to live with the condition, and you just uh, take the precautions. You know your medication. Make sure that you take your medication every day. And light exercise is very important as well mm. uh, to keep, keep moving. But sometimes it's just impossible because you can't even get out, get out of bed because you're in pain. Because <laughs> your entire pain. body's in pain. I think I'll go exercise. No. That's it. You know, you just see everybody is in pain and there's, uh, I have to have crutches. You probably have seen me, you know, when we go to primordial radio events, I have my crutches sometimes uh, because uh, it can just happen out of the blue. Wow. Uh, Yeah. It's, it can be quite similar to someone who has uh, MS. You know, there are a few, yeah, I thought I had MS at the time. Right. uh, But it's just, um, it's something that takes a long time to diagnose. And there's a lot of people out there who have fibromyalgia. See, my speech is going. Um, that don't know that they have it. And a lot of people live with this. Uh, I mean, and the, and the constant pain. I mean, I, 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 I can yeah. only speak from my own per- perspective. But, you know, if I'm in pain, I'm sullen and I'm angry and, and, and like, you know, I'm tired. And, you know, this is temporary pain we're talking about, not constant. Uh, and I yeah. withdraw. Like I don't want. I, you know, I just just don't touch me. Don't come near me. It's like I'm just in pain. I mean, fuck, absolutely. That's a, that's imagine, difficult. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mentally, imagine. mentally, that that must drag you down. Uh, it does because it affects my physical health. It affects my mental health. It affects my relationships with people. Yeah, because yeah. like being in constant pain is no joke, you know. And uh, no. some people, some people understand that, but other people, I really think. Yeah, a lot of people may understand what I feel, but if they haven't felt themselves, they don't truly understand. Well, what I don't think you like, can. Yeah, can. but then obviously I think the way, uh, the way you can is teaching people. You know, that's what I've set out to do. I'm teaching people uh, about this illness that I suffer every day. And also I've got another uh, condition called neuropathy. So uh, neuropathy is damage to the nerves in your body. So like, uh, I get restless legs as well when my legs are twitching all the time in my hands as well, you know, and uh, it's the nerves in your body, uh, overreacting and you get a lot of, uh, are the the two connected? Are the two like fibro? It can be, it can be connected. Yeah. Fibromyalgia can be connected uh, to many different things. Uh, and it's just a condition that's not been properly explained and explored. Uh, at the moment because yeah it's just so many people out there have it and they don't know that they have it and they're even scared of going to the doctor because we uh, with widespread pain it's like uh, it's very difficult to diagnose to pinpoint exactly what it is 
because I, at the time before I getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia, and this was diagnosed by my neurologist, actually, they told me at the time was anxiety. You know, anxiety, yes, it can manifest itself physically, mm-hmm. but anxiety also can give you a really bad a fibromyalgia flare. So it's very hard to differentiate what you have. Are you having an anxiety attack or are you having like a fibro, fibro flare? Jesus, cat. I mean, I see, <laughs> honestly, man, I, 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 I don't understand because I'm, I'm fortunate that, that I, these things don't, but I see some of your tweets and, and you talk about, bizarrely, it was one of your tweets that, that put it into perspective. You said, okay, anxiety is worrying about the future. Depression is worrying about the past. Imagine if you have both. Uh, and so I you know, see some of those tweets. And so you think, you know, constant pain, um, uh, mother, uh, wife, daughter, friend, etc. You know, and when, when... Here's Lev Kubiak, the vice president and chief security officer at Pfizer on the discussion, the dangers of counterfeits and how you can get your medicine safely, sponsored by Pfizer. Criminal groups are putting very dangerous substances into what appear to be routine prescription medicines. And so we have a significant rise in the presence of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search Pfizer. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. I, 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 have, I have no comprehension exactly how you, how you function. Like, how, <laughs> well, seriously, I don't. Because, yeah, but, but how, what, so is it painkiller? So is it medication? So how, how at what time, when, when, when you lay down in bed at, at night and, okay, you know, you, you, you have some peace, can you relax? Can you actually go, oh my God. I mean, because can that happen? Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to have a good night's sleep or not. Like last night, uh, I kept waking up with pain, uh, pain on my back, uh, especially. But then it could be, there could be so many different things. Like, am I having a flare up? Am I just stressed? Because uh, at the moment I am uh, getting a little bit stressed because um, I've got like deadlines that I set myself. Mm. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh gosh, like, you know, uh, doing this podcast. Um, But how do I cope? I just, I just keep going. Mm-hmm. I just keep going and take whatever positivity I can uh, and feed off that. And uh, I've got an amazing, you know, uh, support network, you know, with Scott, you know. He, He's a good lad, Scott, isn't he? Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. both suffer from depression and we both uh, pick each other up. And when I'm feeling down, he picks me up. And when he feels down, I pick him up. That's what it is. You know, that's what we do. And uh yeah it's just how i i think for me it was uh a really uh, how can i explain it was just realizing that i have to work with this condition rather than work against it because the more i be like no i don't have this condition i'm in denial the worse i'm going to feel because it's understanding 
this condition and working you know working really hard at it and just live my life as best as i can mm. you know wow. and hats yeah. off to you cat hats off wow. <laughs> it's bloody hard work <laughs> i i could imagine just i mean but just just a simple thing simple of being a you know a, a mother of, of two kids perfectly yep. healthy everything's fine just that is overwhelming you know, some people, you know, and a lot of people, I remember it was, it was insane, but then add all the rest of that in, I mean, that's, uh, it's wow. crazy. And the it's, thing- it, it is that, I don't know if we can use that word in this <laughs> podcast, but it's nuts. It is a fucking crazy. Yes. Yeah. You could. Yeah, it is. It really is. It's absolutely mental. And I tell you what, like, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, if, uh, you know, actually, Back home, before I moved, uh, you know, to the UK, it's like uh, I always uh, felt these things, you know, anxiety, depression, and I knew that I was somewhat in the autistic spectrum. Uh, But back home, I always felt that these things were just dismissed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're just a teenager. It's just hormones. You know what I mean? And growing up, I didn't really have uh, anyone that would sort of like emotionally nurture me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mother was always, you know, working and all that stuff. And then my uh, my sister was, well, she is uh, four years older than me. So it was like a completely different, you know, no one wants to, no one wanted to, uh, you know, hang out with the little sister, obviously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. especially me and my sister being so different. But, like, I don't know about if you can relate, but then, you know, when did you actually move to the UK? 96. 96. Yeah, How? so in March 96. Yeah. When did you move to? Where did you move to? I went to, I arrived in London. Uh, yeah. And uh, I ended up in Camberwell Green, uh, staying with, with, uh, with friends of my, my, my parents. And, um, yeah, so yeah. I was there, there, for, there for a few weeks. I had actually had a, sort of a, a history with Newcastle upon Tyne, and so when I sent my when I sent my 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 tape, it was bizarre. When I sent my tape, uh, sending tapes, and there's I so know, many, right? There's a, great, there's a great story behind that. My 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 demo tape was actually uh, done at Nick Mason's studio in uh, in Belgravia. Oh Crazy. wow! Okay. I know, and I had no what idea. Uh, I didn't even know who it was, and I was like, "Wow, this is a pretty impressive studio. What are all these gold records on the wall?" Anyway, who cares? Um, so, I do. That sounds interesting. Well, well so so the, here's the story. So the friend, the, my mom and dad's friends, it was uh, Dr. John Crane and Penny, John and Penny Crane. And Dr. Yeah. Crane was the uh, was a, a local GP in Camberwell Green, but he was also the team doctor for Arsenal and team doctor for England. Right? Oh wow! Okay. So he was quite a quite a celebrity, right? Yeah. Okay. And so he he knew everybody. He knew you know like there'd be a picture of of the Beck. Like he, they went to the Beckham's wedding. And there's a picture oh, on their wow. wall and, and he's the most lovely. And you would never know. You would never, ever, ever know. He wouldn't tell you. He doesn't look like it. If there's a person, <laughs> if, if you can look like it, but he was, he was so unassuming and so kind, so generous. It, you, you had no idea he was all these things unless you knew. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So their son, Nick, Nick Crane, if you watch big Hollywood films, he is a big stunt director in Hollywood. Oh wow! Like, okay. like big, big style, like you know, big James Bond type movies. Like he's he's famous, like in that world. And so anyway, I mentioned you know when I when I, I so I stayed at their place in Camberwell Green, um, and I said okay, well I I need to go get my demo tape, a little cassette made, 
uh, and I need to duplicate it. I need about 110. I, I, went got, I went and got the Radio Authority of book and I had all the addresses of all the people I needed, blah, blah, blah. I needed about 110 cassettes to send to program directors up and down the land. Uh, and so Penny gets on the phone, calls Nick and, and their son and says, oh, um, who's the person that has the studio? He goes, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll sort it out. So they just gave me an address and it was in Belgravia. And so I, I you know, and I didn't really know what Belgravia was at that time anyway. So I went from Camberwell Green which, you know, the team doctor of Arsenal, Arsenal and England, you wouldn't think would live in Camberwell Green, but they right. did. I know. Okay. And there's some great stories about that as well, but I won't go into that. The, um, uh, so I, I, I got in the train, I had the address and I got my London A to Z and off I went. And I, so I'm walking up to this place and it's like gated and, and leafy and beautiful. And it's like in Belgravia. Now I understand what Belgravia is. I go, wow, this is, this is quite nice, this studio. Anyway, I buzz the little thing and, and um, the, the, the woman answers and I say, yes, I, you know, it's Hugh Evans. I'm, I'm here to have my, 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 my demo um, <laughs> duplicated. Oh yeah, come on in. So I walk up this, this windy you know, uh, path to come to the front. It's beautiful. I walk into this, this with the reception of the studio and there's gold records all over the wall. Wow. And I'm going, I'm going like, wow, this, this, this is not your, because normally you go to some, it's like techie kind of guy who has a whole stack of cassette, you know, and he just sort of presses a button. And it's like, in, yeah. it's, it's in an industrial estate or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And this was, I was going like, wow, this is, uh, but anyway, I didn't really sort of say anything. I thought, well, you know, so I hand over <laughs> this little cassette tape to the receptionist going, okay, well, sure enough, they did it. And it was only, only when I went back to the, to the Crane's house that I said, wow, that, uh, that, that studio is um, pretty impressive. Like, oh yes, yes. It's, um, it's, a, it's, it's Nick Mason. They're, he's in a band. Uh, 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 and they didn't like, even know what band. Like, oh, it's the band. <laughs> and they didn't even know what band he was in. Going, yeah, so Pink Floyd, that, that one. Yeah, it's like, oh, right, okay, fair enough. So my, my demo tape was made. I don't think Nick Mason ever touched it, but still, it was made in his studio in, in, in Belgravia. It was just nuts. Oh, and anyway, wow. I sent my, I sent, I had, you know, I sat there and got my, printed off my CVs and, and, and did everything and, and sent my, my tape out. And I, I had all sorts of offers uh, very quickly, very quickly. People are answering and giving me offers. And I thought, and this is you know, feeding my ego thinking, hey, I must be shit hot. Oh, <laughs> but, but bizarrely, there was a guy on the South Coast. I think he was in Bournemouth, I think. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but he was on the South Coast and his name was Tank Montana. And he was a Canadian guy. And he was kind of the flavor of the month because he was doing this sort of zany evening program, right? Right, and okay. So, and then just typical of radio programmers, once somebody does something interesting and, and makes a kind of a success of it, now everybody will do that. Yeah. And I just, just happened to arrive at the time when everybody kind of wanted a, a wacky foreign accent. Um, and that's what I, so all of a sudden, like, now, now I understand why I had so many offers. But at the time, I had like 12 <laughs> solid job offers. I was like, going, look at me, I am the best thing in the world. When really it was just timing and then nothing else. And so anyway, because I had a history in Newcastle I, I, and I knew people up there, I said, well, I got this offer in, 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 at Century Radio in, in Gateshead. And, and, and so I took that. And that's how I ended up in the year. I ended up in Newcastle. And that's, is that how your radio journey started? No, because I, I was... Uh, well, no, because I, I, I went, to, went to college in, at home, you know, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, a, in a town about two, two hours away. And then, you know, my, my plan, I was going to go live in the mountains in BC. And then I was going to go, yeah, I was going to go work at Mountain FM, bizarrely. That's what I wanted. And, and I <laughs> Is that work. actually a Mountain FM? Yeah. And you know, bizarrely, oh, you, know, you, know, you know, Bill Courage, 
Yes, you know I do, Bill. Bill the, yeah. voice, the voice of Primordial Radio. Yep. When I, were, I was working with him in Vancouver in, in whatever year it was, uh, 2009. And Mountain FM was for sale. And he said, oh, man, we should go buy that. We, you and I oh, should wow. go buy Mountain FM. We could just go and live in the mountains. I said, Bill, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Uh, in hindsight, we should have done it because it would have been great. Anyway, so I, I, in my mind, Mountain FM, which, you know, which is in um, Whistler, uh, and then I would go work in the Maritimes, go back to Toronto, blah, 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 blah. but lo and behold, I ended up doing my work experience in my hometown that just happened to have this massive cull of all the old guard. And I got this great job and I, you know, I, I made more, I made much more money in the first year of radio than I ever made at any point in time after that. It was incredible. I, everything that, and it was, it was a whole bunch. It was, it was, a, it was an like older person station. It was like an information station. It was like LBC. It was like our version of LBC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and so, you know, young, you know, I was 19, I was 20. Uh, I wouldn't want to work there. You know, I don't want to work for LBC. I want to go work for, you know, 92 City FM, the rock station. That's what I want to work for. Anyway, I ended up getting this, this, this work placement at CJOB, it was called. And it was, like all the old radio legends of, of Winnipeg were there. And anyway, they did, I just happened to arrive when they all basically said, right, time to clean house. We're going in a new direction. And so I was there. I was young. I was not married. I had no attachments. I could go do yeah. everything and anything. And I worked every single day. And every single thing that people didn't want to do, I did. So whether it was, whether it was the weather reports or whether it was outside broadcasts from the zoo, whether it was like client broadcasts, a regular show, whatever I did. And because it was the, by far and away the biggest station, it paid like what I thought radio paid, which it doesn't. It doesn't. And honestly, it was, inc- it was like, I going, wow, look at this. But, you know, so over time, you know, I, I ended up, but I stayed in my hometown. I stayed in my hometown. I ended up working for City FM. I eventually got there and that's the one that I wanted to go work. And, you know, I, I, I had my toys, I had my house, I had you know, and it was like, and I was getting up to my 30th birthday. I was 20, 29. I said, you know what? I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I just, in my hometown, that's all I did. You just stayed there. Yeah. But I had this, this, this girlfriend in Ashington in Northumberland, hence the connection to Newcastle. I had this long distance relationship with her in, and in the interim, I ended up getting a British passport. And so, so I said, well, instead of, instead of jumping around Canada, I'm going to go to the UK. I'm going to go to what I thought Australia. And then I was going to go to Japan or Hong Kong. And then I was going to end up in Toronto. That was kind of the, the, the more sort of expansive scale. Uh, and so the UK was the first stop. And that's, that's where we came. And that's where I came. And, and in 1996. And then so that plan went out the window as well. I met Joe. Uh, we made it to New Zealand. We didn't go to Australia. We we're in New Zealand for three years and working in radio in there. And um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And so I've been all over the place, man. So, uh, and then, and then back, back to the UK. And, uh, you know, we, we got married in, when we were still living in New Zealand. We said, okay, where do we go? New Zealand, Canada, or the UK. And so Joe wanted to, um, you know, when we had kids, wanted to be near her, her parents. And they live in Newcastle. And that's, 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 that's where, where, we, said, that's where we ended up. Yeah. So yeah. crazy, crazy. And just like I just mentioned that story in a couple of minutes. But that was, you know, 20. Yeah, I'll get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's 30 years, 30 years, uh, 1990. Yeah. They'd be 1990, 1990, I think is when I actually got the job at CJOB <laughs> 30 years ago. How crazy is that? That's crazy. All over the place. Yeah. It's been you nuts. Know, working in radio in these different countries, do they all sort of like 
do they all follow the same format or is it no. different? Nope, not really. Uh, it depend, depends on what the station yeah. is, of course. Oh, of course, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so when I, I'll tell you a story. I mean, do you mind? I'll, this, I'll keep it short. But when I went to New Zealand, so when I've I, got all the time, don't worry. So when I went, to, I originally thought I was going to go to Australia and my fr- a friend of mine was getting married in Melbourne and I was going to use that trip to go to his, to go to his wedding as kind of a recce to yeah. go to Australia, right? Just, just to go scope it out, right? So I went. And honestly, that's the first time I've ever been to Australia. And that's two weeks that I spent in Australia. I met every dick I could possibly, and I just thought, what a bunch of arrogant assholes Australians are. I said, <laughs> I have no desire whatsoever to ever spend any time in this country again. Uh, and, and, and in that time, my dad took a locum in New Zealand, in this right. little farming community in the Northern Ireland. So I figured whilst I'd gone all the way out to Melbourne, we may as well go across and hop over the Tasman and go see them in New Zealand. So I went over to New Zealand at the, at the end of this sort of Australian adventure, which I was like, fuck this, I'm not, never coming back to Australia. Mm. Uh, and then I went to New Zealand and went to this place called Carterton, which is this little town in the North Island. It's rural, it's tiny, you know? And, and, and so I went and uh, I'll never forget this. I went and so my mom and dad had this, this rented house in Carterton uh, and of which there was a lemon tree in the garden for, for the gin. <laughs> it was amazing. And then, and so my dad says, oh, son, we're out of beer. Go get some beer. And so to get beer, you have to go down to the end of the street, turn right, and it's the fourth building on your right. My dad is, was very particular, very particular. So I said, okay, right. So I follow his directions. So I took my money and went to the end of the street, turned right. And, and the fourth building on the right was just a house. I mean, it's just a bungalow. It's a house. And I'm thinking, this is not a hotel. It's not a shop. It's, it's just a house. And so anyway, but I said, my dad's explicitly said the fourth building on the right, and this is it. So I sort of tentatively inch my way up the drive. And this, this guy jumps out of the, the, the back door and, he, and he's like wiping his mouth because he's having his tea. And he goes, can I help you, mate? And I said, yeah, I, I, I want to buy some beer. And so he goes to his, his, his garage and there's like a Rolo, like a Rolodex. Uh, and so he just goes, pulls that up and his garage is full of beer and a little oh, till. Wow. And, he, and he stands by and he goes, right, what do you want, mate? And I went, yeah, I could live in this country. I love this. <laughs> and I, I fell in love with New Zealand. Subsequently, I've been back to Australia four or five times. And honestly, for whatever reason, that one, two, that two weeks I was there, I don't know if you believe in fate or, or intervention, that there was something telling me not to go to Australia because that two weeks, I hated it. Mm. And I've been back and every time I've loved it. I think, wow, Australia is, a, is an amazing country and the people are not all dicks, surprisingly. Yeah. And the biggest dick, just to be clear, the biggest dick I met was in <laughs> Cairns in Queensland and he was Canadian. <laughs> He was oh. such a douchebag. Oh, Hopefully you won't be listening to this. Um, so if he is, it. fuck yourself. What an idiot. What an yes. idiot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So, you know, I ended up going to, going to New Zealand. And this is off the back of coming, uh, yeah. of, of getting my job in, in Britain. Yeah. And so Britain, you know, you know, a, a much more advanced country than New Zealand. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, if Britain wanted me as, as a radio personality, New Zealand would be falling over themselves, you know, to, oh, to hire me because, you know, oh. you know, so I have this big, big head going in New Zealand, did the same thing, stayed with a friend uh, uh, and sent my tape out and nothing, nothing. not a thing, oh. not a word. No because, way. because in New Zealand, who wants an American accent? On uh, nobody right. wanted one. Nobody, it wasn't, it wasn't flavor of the month. And so yeah. nobody, so I did get this one letter from one guy going, hey, love the demo, but 
There's no way I could put a Canadian on in Greymouth. There's no way I could do it. I wouldn't do it. And so, you know, good luck. Why is that? Greymouth is on the uh, South Island, on the west, on the west coast of the South Island, sort of the, the north. Okay, portion. okay. Yeah, it's a, it we, it's just a little town in New Zealand. So it's okay. Nice. Anyway, they don't know what they miss. <laughs> well, so I ended up, I, the, I and I was I was getting fairly despondent. I was working at a, on a construction site as a gopher. I was uh, I was doing something called sparooking in the Manukau uh, shopping mall at a place called Jeans West. And sparooking is you, you get uh, you know if you have you been to Australia or New Zealand? I haven't no. So they have the, and I don't know if they still do it, but they would have people standing on the pavement outside of a store with a, you know, like a, with a microphone and then like a little speaker going, Hey, you over there, here we were selling jeans and blah, 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 blah. And so I right. was standing as people were coming into the, uh, into the shopping center. I was, I was going, Hey, jeans West fits best. Come on in. We got jeans. And I was basically hawking people on the street going, come on in buy jeans. And that's what I was doing. Oh, wow. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And I was thinking, wow, I, I, I made a bit made, made a bit of a mistake here because, you know, I came from, you know, the UK where I was so quite something. And then uh, I went to New Zealand and nobody would give me the time of day. But yeah. once again, I don't know if you believe in fate or whatever, I but do. There, there was a, a, a station in a place called what, well, what I thought was pronounced Wakatane and their breakfast host died in a car crash. And so oh. they were look they were looking for somebody. And it was only because of this, this fairly, forward-thinking consultant that they brought yeah. in who who had spent time in the UK said oh yeah yeah let's interview this guy and so I went and I met them in, in Auckland and uh and you know I had this meeting and they said yeah I don't know if we can actually put you on breakfast like that's that's a step too far but we could probably put you on drive so okay yeah I went yeah man I had no we'll other offers I, I will take it and so yeah. I went to this and it was this little tiny place, like the entire population. So the, 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 the Eastern Bay of Plenty. If you, did you hear about White Island when it blew up? Remember the volcano in New Zealand? That yes, blew up? White Island? Yeah, I heard about it's, that. It's 25 nautical miles out to sea. I used to say our house on Ohopi Beach would look directly White Island. It's right wow. there. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It was incredible. It was, it was unbelievable. But wow. once again, my ego got, got the best of me. But before I went there, I did some investigation. It's just this little tiny town in rural New Zealand on the, on the eastern half of the Northern Island. I was thinking, wow, major step down for my career because now I'm going to go to what is a community station yeah. um, to a total population of 60,000 people. The town itself was 20,000. Um, where we lived was 2,000. Uh, and it's like, wow, I'd only worked for big city stations. And what, what, what a step down. It was the best radio-wise, aside from Primordial, the best three years of my life. And it, was, it, it, it basically gave me an insight into how important it was to paying attention to the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Me, and I remember the first thing I did as an outside broadcast, uh, I went to a place called Manawahe, and it was a school track meet. And, and this was like a, a, like a junior school. These are young kids. And it was just their sports day. That's all it was. But the radio station showed up and covered it, reported it. And I remember driving up there going, what on earth would, would we be covering this for? This is, this is nothing. And then I understood how impo- it's important to people in that community. Maybe not important to everybody, but it was certainly important to some people. And with the fact that we were there and paid attention and, and paid attention to them, um, was, yeah. and you began to understand. And then I understood the commerce of what 60,000 people create. You know, there were car dealerships, there were restaurants, there were all sorts. And you think, wow, okay, maybe you don't need millions and millions and millions. And that always stuck with me. And the importance of, of, of connecting people was, was, it was that's yeah. where I learned it. That if, if, I, if I had never gone to Fakatani, 
primordial would not be what it is. What it because is right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it it's, yeah. it's community. It's a community radio station with rock and metal. That's essentially it. Do you think the sort of like, you know, from that change, yeah, it would give, he's giving you the bug to be more involved in community, community radio rather than the big thing? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, yeah. I, I, I still have ambitions. I mean, I think this could absolutely. be massive. I, I think it could be absolutely massive. Mm-hmm. But it, has to, it, it, it could be a massive community station. I mean, it's like, and I hate to use the, 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 the framework of like a biker club. You know, I think of Hell's Angels. Okay, that's in you know, all the nasty connotations. But it doesn't, the, the different chapters of Hell's Angels around the world, mm-hmm. you know, they, they meet. They meet up and they have annual, and, and so they, they have a, a code of ethics, whether you agree with it or not. But I'm just saying just, just the principle, sort of the idea behind it. Yeah. They, they adhere to sort of a, a, a way of practice. And, you know, and that is, you know, they, 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 they don't fuck each other over. They, you know, they, they, they look after each other. Yeah, a sense um, of community. And, yeah, a real sense of community. But, you know, there's chapters in Holland. There's, there's chapters around the world. Yet they can meet and it's like they've never, well, they, they, they will physically meet and never have met. And it's like, hey, man, how are you? And they, they, they've met. Do you know they what I mean? That they thing have... in common straight away. Exactly. And, you know, and that, that kind of idea, it doesn't necessarily have to just be, and the word community immediately yeah. conjures up, oh, it's, it's hokey and it's, it's this and that. It doesn't, it's not that. But it's it, not is, scale. it is what it is, you know. Like, I don't think there is another word to describe community. No, no, there, there isn't. really isn't. And not community. that everybody understands, you know, and so. Yeah. So it is, uh, you know, I came back when I did come back to the UK and I worked for, yeah. you know, and I never, I never really got that, that, that sense of, I hate to say it, but that sense of sort of belonging that you had at one double X, a real connection to where you work. There's a real connection to, to, and there was no, there was, and that's where I think, you know, when, when what we do at Primordial, we, we do our level best to make sure there's no us and them because every other station was always, there's the station and we shall push the shit out when we're ready and you will consume it and there will be no argument over it. That That's is the thinking. It's funny you, you say that as well, because like um, I've always wanted to work in radio always, but you sort of like my, uh, my depression and anxiety always got the best of me. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just that feeling of, or oh, am I good enough? You know what I mean? And for years and years and years, I always thought that I wasn't. Um, but it's like, it's funny because when I was little, I would interview my, vo- uh, my little dolls, okay? Right. Honestly, I would yeah. interview my dolls and pretend they were like some sort of like uh, some, from some punk band or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, it's always, what, it's always what I love to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, but obviously depression and anxiety and uh, illness and that sort of thing, I always thought, no... I'm not good enough. Here's Lev Kubiak, the Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Pfizer, on the discussion, The Dangers of Counterfeits and How You Can Get Your Medicine Safely, sponsored by Pfizer. Criminal groups are putting very dangerous substances into what appear to be routine prescription medicines. And so we have a significant rise in the presence of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search Pfizer. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer 
and start your summer adventures today. I might as well just do what I'm good at, which was hospitality. You know yeah. what I mean? Which yeah, yeah. an industry that nearly killed me, to be fair. <laughs> Uh, but it's like um, did uh, work experience for I actually did work experience for Kerrang Radio and Kerrang Magazine long 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 time ago, and I saw the way they worked, uh, which I just thought I sort of like fell out of love for the industry at the time because I just thought I really don't want to uh, work with that pressure. You know, it was too much pressure, and I thought my anxiety is not going to cope. And I just thought no no, it was a good learning thing, but then I just thought no, I can't do this. Uh, which then I actually did a work experience for ITV studios in the newsroom. So let's see how they worked, you know, the ITV studios in Leeds, see how they worked, where they have the uh, Emmerdale studio as well, where they do, uh, yeah, yeah, soaps and whatever. So I found that really interesting. But at the same time, it's like I've... I've always had this passion for music and the sense of community, you know, and I always felt like uh, with TV was just, yeah, I didn't fit in. Uh, I didn't fit in with that world. And then also being so like uh, suffering with self-esteem as well, you know, and be like, oh, people are going to look at me and hear me talk and I'm going to get really nervous. And then if I mess up and all these different things that played part and then I decided, no, I best not do it, you know? And then obviously, you know, I said I got ill in 2015 and then I've been out of work for this long because also to do with my health and Scott takes care of me, but also to do with uh, the kids, both of the kids have, um, well, they are on the autistic spectrum. Alice doesn't really need as much care, but Logan does. Uh, Logan needs 24-7 care. He uh, does not speak. He's still in nappies. He's six years old, uh, but we have to... Uh, it has to be supervised all the time. Right. Uh, so... That's why I've not gone, you know, not gone back to your, you know, day-to-day job or right. working in sales like I used to. Because um, then, like, to be fair, I didn't really like it. I just was doing it because it was paying the bills. When, uh, you know, when we went into lockdown uh, and like I said to you on the phone when we had this conversation, I honestly thought that the world was going to end. My anxiety was telling me that the world was going to end, mm. which I, I knew it wasn't deep down and it wasn't going to. But uh, when you have an anxiety attack, that's what happens. You know, you think the worst of everything. And I really thought like this was in March time. I thought, what the hell am I doing with my life? All these things I've, I've always dreamed to do. I've not even like looked at how I can start doing them. And, that's, not that's, that's not true, Kat. That's not uh, true. I mean, you, 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 I mean, I'm sorry to interject, but I mean, you, you said you, you, you went twice and, and, and you, you, you had to stop. So you, you, but that's you the did. thing. It, it was just, yeah, but, yeah sorry, I, but you did. And so this is like saying yeah. like somebody's, Somebody who's trying to quit smoking is like, oh, well, you didn't didn't work first time, so you may as well just forget it. I mean, you, you yeah. kept going, you kept going, and you've said it. So, I mean, I, 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 actually, actually, you're saying that, like, yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. But then again, it's my anxiety talking. You know yeah, what I mean? I it's it. it's that that uh, person in a way personal trait of like, uh, oh gosh, you know, I don't believe in myself. Yeah. But then again, it's like since 
I think it was March, yeah, when all this uh, lockdown business started and stuff, I started actually reaching people. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to reach people and see what happens. Then, you know, obviously my uh, um, work radio and, you know, uh, doing this work with Feedback Radio. Mm -hmm. uh, And obviously, you know, like, big up to Adam. Uh, he's given me an uh, amazing opportunity. He's such a cool guy, you know. Op- op- honestly, he's given me the opportunity that people have not in the past. So yeah, he's a lovely you guy. Know, he's a lovely guy. Uh, but also with the podcast, I've uh, I've been wanting to do uh, this for the last maybe twenty four months, but it was just getting started. And oh, it's, it's always been- the toughest thing, isn't it? It really is yeah. getting started and having the confidence to do it. And uh, like, I've gone to the point where I couldn't stand the sound of my voice to actually being able to listen to what I've created and think this look, <laughs> this sounds nice. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's something that actually uh, I would l- uh, like to tell you about is that uh, when we did one word Wednesday bingo, when you guys were yeah. at uh, doing your ro- long road to brewing, uh, not last year, the year before, I'm not sure. And um, it was, yeah, it was 18 months ago, wasn't it? 18 months ago. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, just obviously I'm going to explain what, one one Wednesday Bigo is uh, the game that we play a primordial radio every Wednesday. So the person picks the clues. The the clues. It's a song and a song title, and then we all have to guess. So guesses the most gets more points, and then uh, get like what achievement badge? I think so. Yeah, Some, something like that. Something you know. like that. Yeah, yeah, and then a, a person gets picked at random to uh participate next the next week and i was picked you know i was picked at random and honestly the first time that uh we did that you know pre-recorded that i was a nervous wreck absolute nervous wreck and you sounded sounded quite uh quite confident but that's the thing like i was i guess sometimes i can mask it very well um but uh, i was a nervous wreck and always like, oh my God, I'm going to say the wrong thing. People are going to hate me. Uh, oh my God, I was so nervous to the point that I did not listen to it. Really? Uh, I did not listen to it. I couldn't, ah. I couldn't cope. I couldn't cope listening to it. And also, um, I found it very overwhelming that people were getting in touch with me afterwards and saying how good it was. And I was just It was like, awesome. It was good. And I was just like, thank you. But then it was just, again, my anxiety, you know, like the, the, you know, the little bastard in your ear telling, you know, telling me like, no, that was shit. Like, just quit. Don't do anything. And that's, yeah, it was, it was really good feeling to sort of like, oh, people actually uh, like what, what I said and whatever. Because it was just me, you know, it wasn't me just pointing the front or anything. Because I don't even know how to put a front in a way. But um it's tiring it really is <laughs> it's tiring i can tell you that oh god yeah yeah it's tiring but also doing that with you is sort of like i caught the bug in a way to uh, tell people my story and from then i started blogging 
uh, I started blogging and telling people my story and uh, people kept asking, oh, so why don't you do videos? I said, well, I'm not too sure about that. And uh, then I started doing uh, more and more, you know, uh, blogs and stuff like that. And I guess 18 months on, here we are. Here we are. That's and I'd like, to thank, I'd like to thank you because it was actually you that's, you know, encouraged me when I called you like, oh, shall I, what shall I do? <laughs> and encouraged me to just be myself. And that's helped a lot. So thank you. Well, you're welcome in the part that I played. <laughs> but ultimately, you should not lose the sight of the fact that actually you did all this, not me. Yeah. I was just, but... I was just part of it. I was just yes. part of this journey. So part of this don't, journey. Don't lose sight of that fact. That's why I was so keen to, you know, for me and you to actually have a talk. Because I think like, you know, in a way you are a part of my journey. And uh, as, as you are of mine. It's crazy, isn't it? Am I? <laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely. You know, it, 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 it doesn't mean that we all have to play some, some deeply integral Exactly. It. It, it, it's all part of the puzzle. All of it. It is. Yeah. And with this said, I would just to touch on uh, like primordial radio. So obviously, you know, I, uh, I am a, a part of it as well. How, how did it all happen? I know I had a conversation that you guys were just, it was a gin-fueled conversation, but it has to be more than that, no? Yeah, well, that conversation came, uh, gosh, what year are we here? It's uh, six years after we, we started. Yeah. That, con- that conversation was basically that, you know what? Fuck, let's, let's do it ourselves. And so uh, we had spent years working for different companies, different organizations, imagining that they would do it for us and that, that we would be part of it. Uh, and when, when that didn't work out, um, the idea that we had that we had from July 2010 is when mm. we first talked about it. Um, we, we said, well, let's, you know, what have we got to lose? At this point in time, we'd all just lost our jobs. Um, uh, and, and it got to that point, well, either we, either we put up or shut up, do it, do it or yeah. shut up. Uh, and so, and, you know, it was, it was, and it was bizarre because you'd think after what we'd, what we'd been through, uh, that would have sort of dampened our enthusiasm. It only just hardened our resolve to do it. And just to just basically to basically answer the question to ourselves, this idea that we have and how we think it should be done, would it actually work? It'd be difficult to, it would be to, to, to live with it and talk about it in the past, in, in the future going, Oh yeah, if only we had the chance to do it, we would have shown them, well, you know, here's our opportunity. And, and even, even if it doesn't get to the extent that, that we want it to, um, the the catharsis of actually doing it and and acting upon uh, you know long held beliefs, you know somebody said to me once and I thought that it just really resonated, you know that idea that 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 thing that's that's just nagging you inside you know it's telling you you know it's like you know do that do that you should do that you know you should listen to that unless of course it's telling you to like kill multiple people or something that's not good but you know what I mean like there's an idea you know people there's there's an idea and like we talked about going off into a different industry but yet you're still sort of keeping your eye on what's going on on radio and going, Oh, I'm really interested in radio. And then I end up reading articles about radio and I spend my time sort of thinking about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, what occupies the mind, you know, occupies your life. Uh, And so it was, um, it it was a fairly easy decision to make really. And, you know, it's been, it's been incredibly difficult, much more difficult than I ever thought, but it has been unpleasant. It's been difficult without question, but it's been the most rewarding, challenging, uh, frustrating, 
Everything, everything, everything you it can think is, of is amazing. It's a running a business at the end of the day as well. Yeah. You know, it is running a business. It's not like you have someone to run that business for you. It's you, you are right in the epicenter of it. You know, whenever yeah, it, there's an issue, they'll come to you. It's not like, oh, you know, there's an issue, speak to my assistant. <laughs> yeah, but but saying that, I think that's one thing I did learn, you know, in, in, in other lives and yeah. other capacities was that, you know, if, if you are, I mean, I, I, I mean, I am sort of at the head of it. That's yeah. there, but, but there's no way that I can, I can do it. There's no way I can do everything that needs to be done. And that would be a sort of a trait previously where I, I would have to control and do everything. So the key to it is the community and, you know, the team. I mean, you know, Pete and Russ and Mark and everybody else. Oh, yeah. There's so many people that are involved is, is allowing them to do it is like, you know, and not micromanaging and not saying, okay, this is what I want done. Do it. This is okay. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? And, you know, and, and bring out the strengths and, and, and ideas and other people. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, people are, are, are they don't come to you because they, they're, they're, you know, they, they'll, they'll, on some obvious points of guidance, you know, company wide, they yeah. will, but you know, I, I would consider it, uh, you know, accomplishment. If, if something quite spectacular gets done and I'm not consulted or I'm not in it at all, you know, because people say, okay, I understand what we need to do here. I understand what it is that we were trying to accomplish. This is the idea this and yeah. we're going to go and we're going to go do it. And we see it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think the difficulty is that when, when times get tough, like it has been yeah. in, in lockdown, you kind of double down to old, old be behaviors and, mm. and, you know, got to trust every, every, everything that, and we've always said it from the beginning and it is truer now than it has ever been, you know, the, the, the path that we seek is, is found within without question. Yeah, without absolutely. Question. So, I mean, uh, for the people that don't know what primordial is, how can you describe the station? How would I describe the station? So uh, it, it depends who, who are you? What do you want to know? I'm just someone right, so, so, that loves rock say, and metal in that Okay, set. right. I'll tell you. Do, do you listen? Do you, uh, do you like rock and metal? Yes. Do you listen to the radio? Sometimes. Hate the adverts though. Oh yeah. Okay. So you know, if you do listen to the radio, what do you listen to? What what, what do you hate about it? Oh, the adverts about local car companies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and probably shitty playlists. And yeah, yeah, you know, tightly formatted shitty playlists tell you what so what we've done is we, we flipped it on its head we don't do ads we have no ads and we yep. have a massive massive playlist we have more bands new music new friends new ideas that's what primordial radio is it's dedicated to and run by the rock and metal community that's it it's here it's here to serve the rock and metal community that's our only purpose here is to yep. serve that community that's it we don't serve advertisers banks anybody else we serve that community that's what we yeah. do and we're, we're, we only exist because of them yeah, because and, and, and it's in your your hands, Kat. It's yeah. ultimately in your hands whether this flies or dies. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So that is primordial radio. That's very yeah. exciting. <laughs> and it's deeply personal. You know, it's deeply personal, and it isn't. It isn't the case of us and them. And it is. It, it is. It is. Hopefully, a a community. It's like a family. We fight. We have disagreements, but at the end of the day, you know, we look after each other, and that's that's ultimately all what we have to do. Has, how has Primordial Radio been coping with COVID-19? Surprisingly well. I mean, mm-hmm. I, the, only, the only thing that, that I think that uh, when it first, when you know, lockdown happened, there was a real sort of, holy shit, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and immediately I'm thinking, wow, everybody, you know, this, I could see there's going to be huge financial impact to people. You know, people are going to lose their jobs. You know, the economy is going to take a big hit. So that's going to hit our, our revenue 
is generated largely, and we, we would like our revenue to come from subscriptions, monthly subscriptions from, from the community, and that's it, so that we don't have to do anything else. If we didn't have to sell another T-shirt and merch, if we didn't have to have put on another event, we would only do those things because we wanted to do them, mm-hmm. ultimately. So I, I feared, I thought, wow, we're going to take a massive hit because if you think that the, the UK economy is going to contract by 25 to 30%, whatever it may be, mm. turned out to be 24, I think, you know, then we would probably mirror that in terms of the impact to us. But bizarrely, bizarrely, so far, and we're, I don't think we've seen the worst of the, the, the economic impact yet, but, but so far, you know, people, people value it. People value that sense of community and that sense of belonging. Uh, and they value that and they, they, they don't see it as a, I can't remember what the word is. It's, it's, it's a, what they see as extraneous expenses or something like people yeah. just look at their bank account, but they don't, they don't perceive it as such. They think this is important. I want to spend that six pound a month because it means something to me. It gives something to me. And that is, is quite possibly the greatest advert for the station. That, the fact that people, people value it. Um, and don't see it as, oh my God, it's a monthly payment. And I, and, and I do understand that, you know, you know, the financial the hardships that people are going to face, you know, a subscription thing is, it's not something that people want to embrace, but you know, we have to do our best to try and make sure that everybody who wants to be here can be here. I really uh, think so. And then, uh, you know, it's like we pay for, we pay for Spotify. We play, f- we pay for uh, magazine subscriptions. Mm-hmm. People still pay for those and uh, newspaper subscriptions and stuff like that. So I really think to, uh, you know, basically six pound a month to support the, uh, you know, to support your community as such, then it's nothing to be fair. Well, ultimately that, that pays for our independence and freedom. That's what it does. It really and does. Al- allows us to pay attention to that community and nobody else. If we then, okay, look, we're not going to sustain ourselves on, on memberships. We're going to have to go to an advertising model. We're going to have to go get, you know, be going to some, some content partnership with some, something that we don't want. Yeah. Then all of a sudden we work for them. It's a very, very easy concept. That's it. it. That's, that's why it allows us to be independent of all those other things so we can just concentrate on the community. That's it. That's what allows us to do. That is it. But I just think like, it's yeah people say oh no i don't want to pay for this and that and the other but yeah. then like I, I really guess that that's why you know primordial offers the um three months uh free because you know three months it should be enough time for you to make up your mind that yes i want to pay for this for this service or no i'm sorry you know that's not for me and that's but if somebody says, if somebody says to me, look, I, I, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm not going to pay six quid for that. It, it has no value to them. They, they, they don't value it. So exactly. Don't they value we, it enough? There's yeah. no, there's no real, there's no real point continuing the conversation. If you don't value, exactly. you don't, if you don't understand yeah. why this is important, then, then there's no, I could stand here for three hours and try to explain it to you. But if, if you don't understand, if you don't get it and you don't value what we're, yeah. what we're trying to protect, then, then, you know, so be it that that that's up to you and then nobody has got a gun to their head having to be here nobody absolutely you know? i i agree 100 percent uh but then it, it, did you know that it costs the same uh six i think yeah 5.99 is almost the same uh price as supporting your local mp per month good lord really yeah it's the <laughs> price yeah it's the price of a uh labor membership Right. Okay. No, but I mean, but people, but, but once again, you know, people, but people who are really into their politics, it's like they value that, and that's important to them. People yeah. think, well, I'm not going to pay for Brockham because it means nothing to me, and it, it has it has no place in my life. Really, I might just casually let it wash over me and listen to it on the free channels, and I'll put up with ads. 
that's fine. And that's fine they, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if, that, if, that's, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But if you want actually to, you know, I'm not going to bother going down like the hard sell. Yay. We are set up at a very specifically, the reason why we do it is so that we are only beholden to our community and that's it. Yeah. Nobody else. Absolutely. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be like unbiased, <laughs> but obviously like I've, you know, I've met a lot of people through the community. Mm. You know, I've made a lot of friends, a lot of interesting people in my life and built f- friendships. And I think that just goes beyond the, I don't know, just listening to rock and metal music. It just it's goes not, beyond that. It's not uh, just a radio station. You're exactly, right. Exactly. More than that. Yeah, it's a lot more than that. And personally, like I've, you know, I met uh, friends for life and even a lot of people have found love, which is very, very I know. cute. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I cannot wait to uh, go to the first primordial wedding. Well, it should have been, shouldn't it? It was. It a, should have been this two, year. Two, two of them were scheduled for this year. I think. Yeah, two of them were uh, yeah. scheduled for this year. Didn't happen, but no. it's amazing. But conversely, conversely, we'll see breakups. We'll see. We'll, well see. Fights. Yeah, we'll see but that's life, ain't it? Well, exactly. It is life. That's the point. So you know, it's fantastic that some have found love, but you know, some have 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 had fights. You know, yeah. they've been arguing with others and you know i mean that's you know, and that's what family no is all about and isn't to it? pretend that that's not going to happen is is lunacy it's going to happen it is a family it is. and it, it, we are we are a community and it's comprised of individuals who have very distinct views on everything oh yes that don't necessarily jive with yours <laughs> absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. and i have met a few you know obviously i'm not naming anyone uh, strong individuals that we haven't necessarily seen eye to eye but yep. then again it's like it's uh it's what communities are built on different opinions and different personalities and you know as long as you know, we have the three simple rules really don't yep. be a dick do the yep. right thing and you know when in doubt go back to rule number one mm-hmm. and as long as you know and that, that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything i mean that yep. nowhere in there says we all have to agree to the same thing we all we don't i i, I i'd be very worried if we did and fuck oh me, it'd be, it would be boring. <laughs> it would be so boring. It would be boring. so boring. It Absolutely. Would, I, I, don't, I don't want any part of that. You know, I, but, you know, there are some basic codes of conduct. Just treat each other with respect. Do the right thing and don't be a dick. And then, you know, okay, you know, we, 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 not, we, not be, we may not be besties. And yes. Be it's pockets. not that difficult, is it? Like, like, just be not, a decent so, person. You know, exactly. Just be a decent person. You know, enjoy the music and enjoy the company. Don't be a dick. That's it. <laughs> Pretty easy. Pretty easy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes difficult to follow. You know, I, I, I've been a dick many times in my life and I imagine I'm going to be many more times, but you know. Same here, but you yeah. learn from your mistakes, I suppose. We all have our moments. We, we certainly all have do. our moments, aren't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, if, you know, if anyone's listening and they don't know where Primordial Radio is, so go into uh, primordialradio.com and it's all there. It's an amazing community. Take it from me. <laughs> and me. You'll love it. And for, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. If you want three months free, get in touch with me. It's a hire at grabacupper.co.uk. <laughs> On me, three months. <laughs> Absolutely. And we help each other. We help each other. Don't and we? That's it. You'll love it. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have anything else to, uh, to ask you, really. Well, it's been lovely. We've been nattering. Gosh, we've been, uh, I don't know. For nearly two hours. <laughs> two, you're kidding, really? Wow. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Now and I've enjoyed it immensely. So thank you very much for, for, for the kind invitation. Thank you so much to Moose for joining me this week for Grab a Copper. And thank you for listening and for your continued support. And 
next week i am delighted to announce that we have a brand new guest here at grab a cuppa and it is the mr Baz Mills of the Front Man from the British rock band Massive Wagons. We had an absolute laugh and I cannot wait to share that with you next week. So a brand new episode every Friday uh, from 7am British time and uh, yes so thank you so much for your continued support and if for more information go to uh, grabacupper.co.uk and everything is there thank you have a great great week take care of each other and yourself and stay safe see you then Here's Lev Kubiak, the Vice President and Chief Security Officer at Pfizer, on the discussion, The Dangers of Counterfeits and How You Can Get Your Medicine Safely, sponsored by Pfizer. Criminal groups are putting very dangerous substances into what appear to be routine prescription medicines. And so we have a significant rise in the presence of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search Pfizer.